The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I think we're going to have a fun time tonight because we're going way down yonder to New Orleans. That's right, the Mardi Gras over, but some of the best racing is going to start uh, leading up to the Louisiana Derby and the Fairgrounds Oaks. Races that have been very powerful in the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oaks. So we're going to talk to uh, two guys that are down there, one who's uh, stationed basically in Louisville, Lexington area, and that is Ed DeRosa. Ed's been on before. Uh, He, of course, was a writer for the Thoroughbred Times for years, and now he is the uh, director of marketing and publicity for the Bloodstock Research Information Services. And Briss handles Twin Spires, and he's down in New Orleans. I'm not sure if he's going to give the trophy out or not for the Rachel Alexandra. That's right. That's the grade two that's going to happen at the fairgrounds this week. So uh, we've got Ed DeRosa. He's an excellent handicapper to boot. Uh, He's also going to tell us about a new uh, Kentucky Derby platform that's been created by Jenny Reese that he's uh, helping to coordinate. So Ed will be our first guest. And then after that, gentlemen and I had on a while back by the name of Rick Mocklin, uh, an old friend of mine, Gary McMillan, wrote a great story in The Blood Horse on his jockey, Richard Aramia. And I learned a lot from the story that I didn't know the first time I interviewed Rick Mocklin. And uh, so it's going to be fun talking about uh, Richard and the fact that uh, he is now a U.S. citizen and the hurdles that he had to jump over uh, to get there. Also, just want to get, you know, Rick's read on, you know, the, the life of a jocks agent, how things have changed over the years. And also, a good look at what's going on at the fairgrounds. We're looking at four graded stakes. There's the Risen Star that could have an impact on the Kentucky Derby. Some interesting, solid horses in there. Then I just mentioned the Rachel Alexandra, sponsored by Twin Spires. Then you got the Fairgrounds Handicap. That's a grade three. Also grade three, the Mineshaft Handicap. So, uh, Rick's on the back stretch of the fairgrounds every day, so we're going to get his input on what's going on. Also, we'll uh, review last week's races. want to thank Paul Matisse, the National Handicapping Championship winner that was on with us last week. And I hope if you were at the races, 
race book, wherever you like to place your bets. You pull down some of our winning ponies, easy win forms. You've got to go over to the site and take a look at it. There's a lot that it offers, including uh, carryovers, so you know which card you want to point to. And uh, let's see, just today we pulled down two uh, big ones uh, at Gulfstream, a $1 Super 5 if you boxed it up. Paid out over $4,714 using our easy win forms. Also today at Tampa Bay, a $1 super, this was a key, $4,660. Of course, we go all over the place. Uh, way out on the West Coast at Golden Gate last Saturday, we had a 50-cent pick five that paid $3,345. And then coming to the middle of the country at Turfway Park last Thursday, a $1 super high five paid over $2,100. So come on over to the website, winningponies.com. You know how to get there. All right, not sure if you know how to get to Dubai, but California Chrome sure did. And uh, he had his third workout in less than two weeks at Maidan Racecourse there. And uh, they're just in awe of this now five-year-old's energy. You don't normally get to see a California California Chrome Kentucky Derby winner racing at five, but you do now. And I guess he's just been training very, very good. He's scheduled to have two starts in Dubai. The February 25th race is going to be a mile and a quarter on the dirt. That's going to be the prep. And then, of course, the $10 million Dubai World Cup on March 26th. He's going to meet some tough competition in there. But meanwhile, uh, he's been going very, very well in the mornings. We wish his connections nothing but the best. Of course, he got a nice tune-up early in January when he won the Grade 2 San Pasquale at Santa Anita. That was his only start since last year's Dubai World Cup. So we're very happy that he is back in training, and it looks like he's going to represent very well over there. All right, over the weekend we had the Kentucky Derby Future Wagering Pool. Uh, There will be uh, two more, but uh, the final odds and will pays, well, all others, despite the presence of horses like Mohamed and Nyquist, all others still stays the favorite. Started out at four to five after the first pool, now five to two, so a winning bet on that paid $7.20. Now, Mohamed started at eight to one, went down to four to one, so he'd pay ten sixty. And behind him is Nyquist, started at twelve to one, now seven to one, seventeen dollars and eighty cents. Now, when we talk to Ed DeRosa, we're going to talk about this new Ultimate Kentucky Derby poll. Of course, it was the brainchild of our good friend Jenny Reese, and this poll has brought together some of the top handicappers in the country. So it'll appear every Monday morning at horseracingradio.net. It's presented by Brisnet. And uh, it uh, really, like I said, brings together some of the best. Now, right now, Mohamed was picked by every handicapper except for one, 
and that is the one and only Ed DeRosa that we're going to have on tonight. He's sticking with Nyquist. Now, this was before Nyquist's race on Monday, which was very, very impressive. Uh, we'll get to that. So it'll be interesting in uh, looking why he's uh, staying with him and everybody else is uh, going with Mohamed. Uh, you know, you've got uh, the handicappers or, you know, Jim Scully, the head of uh, Brisnet's editorial department. Of course, Mike Penna, who uh, is the president and co-founder of Horse Racing Radio Network. Uh, then you have Acacia Courtney, who's a broadcast journalist. Kate and Brader, that we just had on, I think it was four weeks ago here. Everybody knows her. She's down there in Florida right now. Steve Beck was on with us a while back, popular radio show host. Our friend Jim Mulvihill, director of media with the NTRA. And Jeff Siegel, longtime horse owner, racing analyst, and public handicapper. So you're going to have to tune in every week and find out who the top handicappers in the country think is going to be on top Kentucky Derby time. And we know that things can change there. We did lose a really class act in, uh, in racing this week. Harry Meyerhoff, the owner of Spectacular Bid, passed away at the age of 86. What's interesting is, is just last week, a horse owned by him and his son Tom won the $75,000 Miracle Wood Stakes at Laurel Park. So even at that age, he was still staying into the game. So they really lost a hero, of course, his big hero, Spectacular Bid. Uh, a son of Bold Bitter uh, was uh, just uh, you know, unbelievable champion, three-year-old. He went 10 for 12. Some people think he was the, the best ever. Won the Derby, the Preakness, Florida Derby, Flamingo, Bluegrass, Marlboro Cup. And then uh, at four, he was unbeaten in nine starts and luckily was named champion older horse. So spectacular bid, well, a great horse, and Harry Meyerhoff. You will be missed. All right, uh, well, let's take a look at some of last week's results. Uh, just uh, kind of whispered a little bit there on Nyquist. Uh, if you got a chance on President's Day, if you had a day off, hopefully you got to go to the races. Uh, Nyquist was awesome in the San Vicente. came out of that race in good order. Interestingly enough, he's going to target the Grade 1 Florida Derby at Gulfstream. For his final prep for the Kentucky Derby, he's got plenty of points to get in right now. Now, uh, the Florida Derby, you're thinking, wait a second, he's going to meet Mohamed before the first Saturday in May? Well, the reason the Florida Derby appeals to O'Neill, not only because it's five weeks out from the Derby, but he and owner Paul Redham are eligible to win a $1 million bonus for winning the race. Uh, because he was purchased from the Phasic Tipton two-year-old in training sale last year. They offer that million-dollar bonus, so it'll be very, very interesting to see him and Mo Heyman locking up. Also, on Monday, if you got a chance to watch Oaklawn Park, you got to see sudden breaking news come from out of the clouds from last to first, and he blew him away by two and three-quarter lengths over Whitmore in the half-a-million-dollar Southwest Stakes, and that was his three-year-old debut. And, hey, a tip of the cap to our recent guest, Pete Aiello, who is the new announcer there. It was a huge field, and this horse, because he had a break from the outside, dropped down to the rail, easily lost in the shuffle, turning for home. Uh, there was no room. And so he had to be taken outside and 
Pete picked him up about the eighth pole and gave him a big call. Sudden breaking news, making huge strides, and he came down and got the job done. Certainly doesn't look like uh, he's going to have any problems with distance as far as that's concerned uh, should he show up the first Saturday in May. Trained by Donnie Van Hemmel. They knew he had to save ground. They did it, but he got the job done. And uh, congrats to Oaklawn. They had a meat high $5.1 million on that 10 race card. And the estimated attendance, you got to love this, $22,500. Of course, uh, uh, the big wins uh, put uh, our friend Mario Gutierrez uh, on top for Jockey of the Week. Uh, he not only got to ride Nyquist, but another race that we handicapped with Paul Matisse, and that was the El Camino Real. Now, this race was contested at Golden Gates, mile and an eighth, so they're stretching the three-year-olds out, and it was some very uh, familiar connections that got the job done. That's right, Doug O'Neill has another big one in Frank conversation uh this horse overcame an outside post position was four wide he rated moved very well for mario guterres jockey of the week was three wide on the turn mario kind of uh, gave a few reminders through the lane but he got the job done in second grand motion we said he's been a little short and he's coming up now at 11 to 1 was tusk Son of Tappet, who put in a solid close right there. And in the third spot, the other Grand Motion trainee who uh, started out over in England, and that is Cassiopeia, uh, the same Animal Kingdom connections for the Derby with Team Valor and Grand Motion. So uh, that was uh, uh, a solid race that could be implications with the Kentucky Derby, as well as down at Tampa Bay Downs. Paul Matisse, the handicapping champion, gave us this winner, paid $10. It was number three, Destin, one of the Todd Pletcher trainees that uh, he kind of spurted away at the 16th pole after catching the leaders. Looks very, very impressive. He was a $400,000 yearling by Giants Causeway. We'll see where he goes next if he returns to uh, uh, Florida and possibly the Florida Derby. In the second spot was 3-1 to one Rafting, who really put a good move in on the turn but was not going to catch Destin. And again, in the third spot was Morning Fire the horse that set all the pace in the Sam Davis. Then we shot over to Laurel. It was the grade two Barbara Fritchie handicap. And the winner in there, Dancing House at 4-1, to one, who finished second to Laver Dad at Aqueduct's Innerboro in her last start. And the final race that we looked at was a really exciting one. Only three links separated the top three at the wire. It was the Santa Marita grade two at Santanita. The winner was the 9-5 favorite, Terra's Tango. Stalked the pace, rallied really strong in the final 40 yards. Behind Terra was Yahilwa, who put a solid return into the races off the La Canada, grade two. And in the third spot was Living the Life, the Irish Bread. All right, a guy who's probably living the life down in New Orleans right now is Ed DeRosa. Uh, he's uh, down there to uh, check out the TwinSpires.com, Rachel Alexandra, and hopefully taking in the food and the fun in New Orleans. So when we come back, we're going to talk to Ed about the new Kentucky Derby 
Challenge Forum with all those top handicappers and a look at some of the races down at the fairgrounds. You're listening to Winning Ponies. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Ed DeRosa, who's a real trooper, uh, fighting off a little food poisoning. He got somewhere between Kentucky and Louisiana, but he, he's a trooper. He says he can do it. You know, uh, we've had that on before, talking about going to the track with his grandfather, who taught him how to uh, read by letting him flip through the daily racing form. Uh, Ed eventually turned out to be an outstanding uh, writer. Uh, for the Thoroughbred Times, worked his way into a great spot uh, as the Director of Marketing and Director of Publicity for Bloodstock Research Information Services. Uh, he not only knows that part of the game, he's also a heck of a handicapper, and he's with us right now. Ed, how are you doing? Uh, doing well, yeah, feeling better, which is good. Uh, really looking forward to being out at the races tomorrow and, of course, the, the big day on Saturday. Hey, uh, I'm not sure if you watched the news tonight or not, but can you give us an idea of what the weather might be, which is often unpredictable, uh, down in New Orleans? No, looking uh, really good. I, I did not watch the news, but I have definitely been, been checking my various weather apps. And, uh, you know, down here always a slight chance of rain, I suppose, but based on radars and just the 10 20% chance they're saying, I'd be shocked if we... Didn't have a gorgeous day for Saturday and fast and firm. Well, that is great. I'm looking forward to that because you kind of want to make sure you got a level playing field with, with a lot of the big races uh, that you, that you're going to be uh, covering. Now, um, before we uh, move on and talk a little bit about some of the races, um, our friend uh, Jenny Reese seems to have come up with a brainchild, 
and it looks like there's going to be a new Ultimate Derby poll uh, presented by Brisnet. So um, you probably key in the, the presentation of this. And uh, it looks like it's going to be pretty cool when I look at the uh, gallery of stars that uh, you've brought together um, to give their opinion on the Kentucky Derby. I did mention earlier in the show that uh, you were the only dissenter, and uh, quite frankly, you you put your vote in, I believe, before Monday, and after what Nyquist did uh, out at Santa Anita, uh, he may have even swayed a few votes next week. Yeah, we'll see. Uh I actually do have a lot of respect for Mohamed, although I only have him third. I actually have another horse ahead of him even. But uh, at this stage of the game, given what Nyquist accomplished last year uh, and, you know, the connections have been there before, I was super impressed with his Breeders' Cup in particular. I see no reason not to have him in the top spot for now. Um, I'm not surprised that he's not unanimous by any means. There's definitely questions. And, look, he isn't even the favorite in Vegas, so plenty of people are betting other options as well. But I am surprised I was the only one. This is a really good, uh, smart panel, and Mohamed must be a really good horse to, to get all their attention but mine. Uh, absolutely. Now, I know you're probably familiar with uh, Sid Fernando, who's somewhat of a bloodlines expert, and I read his most recent column uh, yesterday, and he, he dissects uh, the pedigree of Nyquist and just he's having a hard time to think that he can get a mile and a quarter but uh, you know they said that about spend a buck and quite a few other horses (laughs) over the years and quite frankly when you're undefeated you haven't taken a bad step sometimes your heart can uh, get you past your pedigree yeah and and the thing I go to and it's always a big topic and you know to me one of the reasons handicapping the the derby so much fun is you have these wrinkles and horses trying something new etc um, I definitely prefer brilliance to pure stamina. I, I just don't think the plotters like, say, a Drosselmeyer who won the Belmont Stakes and Breeders' Cup Classic, uh, I guess Giacomo did get the job done. It does happen at big, big prices. But for the most part, when you're talking about really good horses in the Derby, I'd much rather have brilliance like a Bodie Meister, an American Pharaoh, uh, than than a, a plotter type, and you know if Nyquist can't get the mile and a quarter, uh, he wouldn't be the first where that was a challenge for him. Uh, but given how brilliant we know his sire was, uh, for now I'm going to keep him on top until you know it becomes either he loses to someone else on the pole, or it's just obvious that a mile and a quarter isn't for him. Which isn't to say he couldn't win the Derby, but maybe he won't be on top. But for now, I think he's earned it. All right, well, we're, we're talking with Ed DeRosa, and Ed uh, uh, pulled the headlines up shortly after the big win at, at Santa Anita for Nyquist, and at first I was kind of shocked that they say that he's going to go down to Florida to the Fountain of Youth because I thought he probably would prefer to wait till this first Saturday of May to meet up with Mo Heyman, but as I read further, I found out there's a million-dollar bonus because he was a phasing Tipton buy. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a, a big carrot, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what uh, Mohamed does. I mean, giving Karen uh, some of what he's done in the past, the five weeks makes a lot of sense for that horse. I'd be surprised if they called an audible and he ended up at the Wood Memorial or something like that. So we could definitely be in for quite a showdown, and you know, really uh, another one awaits next week because uh, the only other horse I, ha- I have ahead of Mohamed 
is Allowance winner Zulu, uh, who I have a lot of respect for. And, you know, polls like this are, are interesting because you, especially at this time of year, you're really balancing who's the most accomplished, who do I think will win the Derby or has the best chance of winning. And you also, to, to me, want to take a shot with the horse with some upside because you want to be the one who was right about a horse other people weren't. And for me, that's Zulu, but he's going to get a very stiff test next week. Well, Ed Rosa may well get bragging rights. We'll find out. Now, <laughs> the ultimate Kentucky Derby poll, I kind of zipped through some of the people in there. A lot of them have been guests on this show. Michael Baychak, who was the 2012 uh, National Handicapping Championship. I believe uh, Jonathan Kinchin, who was last year's champion. Of course, the well-respected uh, uh, Jude Feld and Mike Penna from Horse Racing Radio Network are in there. I mean, uh, this brainchild of, uh, of Jenny Reese, of course, Jenny's in there too, um, has really put together a, a heck of a row of some of the top handicappers in the country. So it's really going to be fun following. I, did, I clicked on the link uh, today, and it was neat. It gives everybody's picture and then kind of their top ten as they go into it. So it's going to re- really be fun to track, Ed. Yeah, and I, I like the the team she put together. I do do a, a couple other polls, uh, mainly for my employer on KentuckyDerby.com. And that's all Churchill employees. So, you know, I mean, not that we don't have a wide range of how we handicap a race, but, um, you know, it's definitely sort of one voice centralized in Kentucky. Uh, but, but this goes beyond that, not only in terms of all the regions Jenny manages to have covered opinions from, uh, but the age, uh, sex, and, you know, handicappers and horsemen and uh, journalists. So to me, it's a really good mix. And, uh, it's the type of group, uh, you know, going back to sort of what I said about a horse like Zulu or Nyquist, where I'm the only one that has either of them that high. It's the type of group where uh, you, you earn your bragging rights if you had the best opinion going into the Derby, without a doubt. Hey, that's what this game is all about. Well, uh, will you be in the winner's circle for the Twin Spires' Rachel Alexander? Did you drive down there to give the trophy out? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'll do some social media stuff uh, tomorrow from the track and, writing up some picks and watching the horses train. But on Saturday, I'll get to suit up and uh, present the trophy uh, for the race. And uh, it's a a good one. This race has produced a lot of uh, impressive uh, Kentucky Oaks horses, none more so than the the one it's named after when it was the Fairground Oaks and Rachel Alexandra. And I was privileged to be there that day. It was uh, wow. a pouring rain, uh, but nonetheless, uh, right there at the wire was Calvin Burrell flashing <laughs> his uh, index finger up, saying number yeah. one, and then pointing to this filly, saying she is the one. Well, let's, uh, you know, I know you, d- <clears throat> you did your homework. Uh, certainly, um, the, the first. Uh, uh, race that's very key. You got the first, second, and fourth finishers out of the Silver Bullet Day, and uh, boy, except for one time when she caught a sloppy track at Churchill in the Goldenrod, stage play certainly looks like the one to beat. Now, two weeks ago, I had Doug Brader on this show, and he told me back then. He says, you know, he's got Florence Giroux as his jockey, and he said, John, we're going to have a pretty good day on February 20th. And, of course, stage play could be one to get him there. Yeah, no question. And uh, Florence had several really good days uh, with Doug with helping pull the strings. Uh, I was there at Barlington Million Day with the Pizza Man. Uh, just a fantastic performance. Uh, stage play 7-5 to five on the morning line, and I'm very interested in seeing how this race plays out because to her outside is a, her stablemate, Royal Obsession, 
yes. who uh, was Triple Crown nominated and different owners, so that could explain it. But, you know, to me, that's really fascinating. John Velasquez uh, comes in for the mount. The issue I have with stage play at a very short price is her person at speed ratings are all in the low 90s, and that's been good enough to win uh, for sure. But uh, a horse like Forever Darling shipping in from California, uh, the Breeders' Cup definitely didn't go her way. She bobbled in the start and just lost all chance with that mile in the 16th configuration. Uh, but congrats run very well at these short routes, and she's stretching back out in her second start as a three-year-old, gets Javier Castellano. From a price perspective, I'm definitely going to be on Forever Darling at two or three times the price of stage play. Very interesting. I like to see that, and I, I do like uh, your observation of Royal Obsession because it sure looks like Asmussen holds a solid hand. And uh, training a daughter of Tappet, uh, he's uh, done that before uh, for uh, some people in the name of a nice champion filly by the name of Untappable. Well, um, I'm not sure if Ronnie Lamarck owns Veterans Ford or not anymore, but the Risen Star Stakes is going to be uh, on the card two races later. Did you get a chance to look at that race? Of course, it's the return of uh, Aerial Force. Uh, Mark Cassie's looking for a big win. This horse can really rate well. Uh, won the Kentucky Jockey Club Stakes. Matter of fact, uh, uh, the first, third, and fourth finishers from that race are in there. And then the top three finishers of the LeCompte, are in this race. Kind of hard to separate this group. They're tough. Yeah, this is uh, absolutely a, a fantastic uh, addition, and, uh, you know, it's obviously a key prep to the uh, Twin Spires Louisiana Derby in five weeks, uh, which is this year six weeks ahead of the Kentucky Derby. So uh, an extra week of prep for those who want to go the Louisiana route. Uh, people are going to think I have a West Coast bias, but I'm taking a big shot in here uh, with uh, Bistrea, uh, another horse shipping in from the West Coast. Uh, this one may be less uh, known connection uh, than my play in the, the Rachel Alexandra, but I like that Edwin Maldonado is keeping them out. Uh, and this one popped a 97 speed rating when finally stretching out to break her maiden. Uh, by no means am I saying she's the most likely winner, but as a gate-to-wire threat at 15-1 to 1 with California speed, I'm going to take a shot. Well, I got to admit, I'm probably uh, leading towards Mo Tom, and I, I think that the reason that kind of tips me off there is uh, the fact that uh, Destin, who ran fourth to Mo Tom, came back and was very impressive in the Sam Davis down at Tampa Bay last week. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, we're, we're definitely starting to get to the the part of the season where you can make those kind of conclusions. Uh, you know, Mo Tom. A beat by Air Force Brandon Douglas as a two-year-old uh, to close out uh, the Churchill meet, so he's up here again. Uh, I'm with you. Though. To me, Air Force, uh, despite the big prime power edge on Brisnet, uh, is the favorite in this deep of a field. I just think there are too many others that, that make sense, and uh, I definitely am, am with you in trying to fade him at a short price. Well, we'll find out. Well, listen, Ed, you know, I, I, you, you're in the best town in the world for food. Get yourself a good night's sleep. Forget about that bad meatloaf you caught up there and, and get well and uh, do a muffalata in my honor. Sounds good. You got it. 
All right, Ed. Ed DeRosa has been our guest. Appreciate it greatly. And I'm uh, looking forward to uh, tracking the Ultimate Kentucky Derby poll that he's going to be presenting over the weeks leading up to the first Saturday in May. And now I'm looking forward to talking to a guy I met several decades ago. I'm not going to give you the years or you'll date my age. And that's Rick Mocklin, who is uh, the the agent for Richie, and he's going to have to Correct me on the last name, Aramia, who uh, has a great personal story and is a great rider, five-time champion in Uruguay and five-time champion at Louisiana Downs. We'll be talking with Rick Mocklin. That's coming up. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back on with me, Rick Mocklin made the mistake of saying, hey, John, call me any time the last time I had him on as a guest, and so I said, I'm going to take you up on that. And then it was only a couple of weeks later, a uh, great story uh, written by uh, Gary McMillan uh, on uh, R- Richard Aromia, I have his name right now, uh, came out in the, in the Blood Horse. We're going to get to that because it, it really is a, a touching story about him becoming a U.S. citizen. But before we get to that, I want to introduce everybody to a guy that's done just about everything in racing. He was the youngest track announcer years ago. I met him decades ago. I wasn't sure if it was through Glenn Gremion or Tony Bentley. doesn't matter. There's a lot of great people down in the New Orleans area. Rick Mocklin, how you doing? John, I am doing just great, man. We're in the heart of the season right now here at the fairgrounds. Things are going good. Um, weather's good, and we've got a really, really great weekend of racing that's coming up filled with, uh, as you mentioned, I was listening to you and Ed DeRosa talking about some of the stakes that we've got. We've got some pretty competitive stakes, and we've got a lot of big-name jocks that are shipping in this weekend to ride here at the fairgrounds. So it's going to be a good weekend. It is, and we're going to get to the races later, and then we're going to get to, to uh, uh, talk, uh, talking about Richard uh, uh, Aromia. Aromia, yes, sir. 
how I'm going to get it right one of these days. But before I do that, you know, when we first met, it was the old fairgrounds. It was before yeah. the fire. And yeah, I, I'm in a current situation where for years I worked at the old River Downs, and then it became a casino, and the, the sight lines changed, and everything's changed. What was it like for you as a guy steeped in New Orleans tradition, um, Remember the old fairgrounds, and uh, yeah, how long did it take you to adapt to the new situation? Because that old grandstand, of course, one of the oldest in the United States, it was so unique, and it had such great flavor. There were the, the palm room and you know, these yes. different places and the oyster bar. Everybody kind of had their favorite hangout. Um, reflect on that and tell me how, how you've been able to adapt, if you have. Well, John, I'm going to tell you, I mean, the last thing that you just said, if I have, I don't think that I have, and I don't think that any of the true down-home New Orleans racing fans that were here from the beginning have adapted. We've got a nice facility, but it's not like the old facility. There will be nothing that I think will ever replace what we had. The building had character. They had certain places in the building where certain characters hung out, and you knew where to go find them. And you knew the personalities, and it was just a lot of fun. And you talked to people from all walks of life on different phases of the building. And when we lost it, man, we really lost a big, big piece of, of history. And I don't think it's ever going to be replaced. No, no, and it won't at the old River Downs, and, you know, I guess guys like us got to shake it off and say, look, we yeah. can't rewind the clock, but there was something so special about the fairgrounds, and like you said, there were certain people that, I'm sure their ghosts are still there, you're looking for the oyster bar or the palm room or wow. whatever area they used to hang out at the steps at the bottom of the press box, um, and it was, I mean, as much as every racetrack has its character-laden groups, I never met one that had more than the fairgrounds. Well, absolutely. It's, I mean, New Orleans on, on a whole has characters everywhere, but two that stick out to me, of course, Alan Blackcap Lacombe. He's a guy that nobody will ever forget. They won't let him let's forget Alan Blackcap Lacombe. There's a race coming up next week in his honor, and... I, one guy that comes to mind was our old press box custodian. His name was George Rabbit Shaw, an old black guy who was George Bernard Shaw. Jo yes. jo you're right, but his nickname was Rabbit. Everybody called him Rabbit because yeah, he, he said he could run like a rabbit when he played, you know, when he played sports. But he was a character that was always in the press box. He was the first person you'd see when you came in. So guys like that, you just never forget those guys. And then the guys that hung around in the grandstand, the old touts and the old stupers and just the, the, the tip sheet hustlers and uh, the guys who sold the racing form all the way down to the guys who sold the morning paper. It was just characters that you would, you know, once you saw them, you never forgot them. They were great rabbit dots. Uh, had a special place in my heart. I have a beautiful 8x10 frame photo of him. Uh, yeah. He had such character. And he'd come up, you know, because at the time I was a director of publicity, and he'd come up and say, Hey, Mr. John, 
what time you want me to bring the beer up? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I <laughs> bring it up about the sixth race, Rabbit, you know. As he'd come oh, up, yeah. he'd load the press box up with two cases of beer. When it was all over, the races were over, the officials and the guys from the racing forum, we'd sit there, crack a beer, and everybody decide where we're going to go to eat, you know, because that's kind of what yeah. you do down there. Um, it, it exactly. Well, it is. You know, when you give... When you give Rabbit his little gratuity, you know it was going to a good cause. It was going in the window. So that was a good thing. It kept him in business. But for things that he did for us, we kept him in business, kept his little betting going on for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That brings back some great uh, memories. Again, uh, we're talking with Rick Mocklin, uh, the agent for uh, Richard Aromia. Um, now, th- this. Gary McMillan, I met him down there about the same time I first met you, wrote a great story in the Blood Horse. And these are things that uh, people don't grasp. The fact that this guy, five-time winner in his home country of Uruguay, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was really impressed with that. The fact that he's here, he's been successful, uh, much um, through your work, I'm sure, um, obviously he had to overcome the language barrier. Yeah. It had to be a little bit tough being his agent at, at the start. And, and then that he had this desire to become a U.S. citizen. Um, I know we've only got so much time, but can you capsulize how that all came about and how well that made him feel? He came to this country, John, with the intention of becoming an American citizen and doing what he had to do to become an American citizen. And... As you mentioned, he was a five-time leading rider in Uruguay, but the money wasn't good. So he decided to come to Louisiana and Texas to kind of start out. Didn't speak a word of English, didn't know anybody, came to Florida, spent a couple of weeks in Florida, then tried Texas, wound up in Louisiana, make a long story short. I've been having this book for seven years. We have really progressed as a team, as an agent and a rider, but I didn't realize how much time, energy, and money it does cost to become an American citizen. It's not something you can do overnight. So he put in the time and the effort to do this and to pass this test and become an American citizen. And he, my opinion now, he's the type of immigrant that we welcome to this country. An immigrant who comes here, wants to work, wants to pay taxes, wants to raise his family, educate his children in our school system, and wants to become an American citizen to do his part to help wherever he's living, whatever state that he's living in. So he's absolutely done everything the right way from raising his children to the way he's conducted his career down to the way he conducts himself on the racetrack each and every morning. He's made my job easier than it is working for most jockeys. And, you know, we hear the cliché, you know, America... The, the dream is here, and this is the land of opportunity, and there's an American dream. Richard is the prime example of it, becoming an American citizen and applying his trade and earning a great living in this country and really happy about it. You know, I, I have to admit, I grew up here. I'm a college graduate. I read some of the questions he was asked as far as, you know, who's the chief justice of the United States? Uh, how does the House of Representatives vote? He got them all right. Yeah. Don't put me. Yeah. Don't, don't put that test in front of me, Rick. I'm going to have Man. a hard time. I said, John, not just you. I don't think I could pass a driving test again. So, you know, and that's got to be much simpler than the test that they gave Richard. So, it, uh, it definitely took some 
concentration and some memorization and you just uh, just an effort to do it. And he got it done. And I am I'm very proud of, of Richard of what he's accomplished and the kind of person he is. I'm proud to represent him because I feel like I can walk in any barn at any racetrack and I've got a product that I can offer to people that can get the job done and get it done in the right way. And what's very impressive is that a lot of people don't get the citizenship on their first try, and right. he did uh, between right. his hard work and the help of his family. Right. And that That's very true. And... I want to mention, too, that his wife also took her test. I, I don't know if they do it ever, every so often or how it's spread out, but the next available time that she could take the test, she took it and she passed it, so she is now an American citizen. So the it, family it, is... It, it, it's is, a fantastic good. story. It really, yeah. really is, and I, I wish yeah. him and you as his partner nothing uh, b- but the best. And the, there were also some great... Uh, uh, Photos that uh, went along with the story that uh, Marshall Blevins took and yeah. shows you guys together, shows him celebrating after some big wins. And the, the guy just, he seems to exude class. So uh, he, he really, I'm really happy for the success that you've had together. And uh, I advise anybody, if they subscribe to the Blood Horse, they could probably get it online. It was the February 6th issue. It's a great story written by the colorful Gary McMillan. Well, I'll tell you what, Rick, let's take a little bit of a break right here and come back because I know that you've seen all these prep races that are leading up to the big day that we're going to have at the fairgrounds. So we'll take a little bit of a break here and come back and break it down. You're listening to Winning Ponies. It's a fly ball, deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll free at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, we're with Jackie Agent Rick Mocklin and the front man for the Southern Voice Band. We'll get to that later. Uh, but right now we're going to handicap some of the races or at least get Rick's impression of some of the horses there because he's been down there. And in all four of the graded stakes races, a lot of horses are going to be matching strides again uh, yeah. that are coming out of key prep races at the fairgrounds. Now, uh, the first race we'll look at is the Risen Star. You might not believe this, but... 
Back when I was the publicity director, uh, I was doing a handicapping seminar, and we had to have a horse to come out to show the different kind of equipment that horses uh, use. And the horse they brought over was an unraced son of Secretariat. Louis Roussel brought it over. We showed blinkers, wraps, you know, different saddles and things. The horse ended up being named Risen Star. <laughs> it was unbelievable when I found that out. But anyway, yeah. this is the Risen Star. Uh, it's, it's a grade two. Uh, they just fill in the field. Angles galore in here. But the top three finishers of the LeCompte are coming out of here. Of course, Mo Tom, a talented son of Uncle Mo. I don't know if yeah. you heard me earlier talking about that DeRosa, but the horse that ran fourth in the LeCompte, came back and won the Sam Davis impressively at Sam Davis last Saturday. What was mm-hmm. your read on that race, Rick Macklin? Well, it was a, it was a good race. It, it um, you know, I don't know. This race right here, I think, is going to wind up being a very very key race for not only the Louisiana Derby but also for the Kentucky Derby. Um, this particular race here. I kind of, I was listening to what you and Ed DeRosa were talking about, and Ed, of course, says he agrees that Aero Force is the favorite, should be the favorite, but he was trying to pick against him. And the more I look at this horse, I know Mark Cassie does an excellent job of bringing these, these horses along in the yes. races like this. So I think that Aero Force is coming into this race probably sitting on go and ready to take his next step forward. The big key with these horses, a lot of them are only raced four or five times, some one or two times, but going forward is the main thing. If they can progress, then they're going to become a good horse. This is the time of year that they have to do that. Now, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with Arrow Force. I like this horse. I like Gunrunner. I like Steve Asmussen's horse to run second. I think Steve's the kind of guy, I think you'll agree with me, that at this time of year, he's kind of tightening the screws on some of his three roles that he thinks are going to go to the next level. I kind of like this horse. If you look at his workouts, he's had a bunch of good workouts as he's coming in. He's had two three-quarter workouts in one twelve and change. He had a, a five-furlong workout in a minute flat and just a couple of ticks. So I believe this horse is coming up into this race good. And I did pick Mo Tom to run third. I was not that impressed with the field that he beat last time in the prep for this. It was a good race. LeCompte was a good race, but it's not the quality of this race. Now, if he goes forward, maybe he can win it. But I think he's got to take major steps forward to win this race. Well, I got to start looking around. There's a hidden camera in here because you've got on my uh, on my uh, past performances. When I look at Aero Force and what Mark Cassie's done with this horse is okay four. Last works, none of them bullets, but every one, the second best of the day. I really think that he's locked this horse down. The horse has been working well. Regular rider, Julian Le Peru will come in. And his running style, you know, horses are kind of precocious sometimes this time of year. Uh, This horse can rate very well. He's already won over a half a million dollars, but I really like the progression of of his training coming into this race. And the other star I I have is on Gunrunner, not only because of Asmussen and Candy rides very, very hot as a sire right now. Yeah. But uh, you got to admit, Florent Giraud, 
This kid's uh, in a groove, and um, as I said earlier, Doug Brader told me he's expecting to have a really big day on Saturday. Well, and I agree with Doug. I think Doug is locked and loaded on some really good horses. You know, and the exciting thing is for an agent, from an agent standpoint, is when you ride horses in races like this, what's ahead of you is actually the prize. It's a good payoff to win a race like this. But the ultimate prize is still out there. And to be in the mix on good horses like this from an agent standpoint, man, it makes you feel like you're doing your job. So, uh, and the right now, as you mentioned, Doug and Florent are on a serious roll. Everything they ride is just running and responding to the way he rides. So I wouldn't be surprised if he has a huge day on Saturday. No, and you said it. You know, Asmussen may have his horse ratcheted down, and I can guarantee you that uh, uh, Flo has been up for some of those works. Uh, oh, one yeah. of them, a bullet. Oh, yeah. He's been down there at the fairgrounds. Uh, so it, don't be surprised if this horse jumps up at, at a halfway decent price. Well, while we're on the subject of uh, Flo Giroux, uh, your read on the Silver Bullet Day, because this horse was very impressive. It looked like he blew him out in the stretch and then just kind of ratcheted down a little bit and uh, gave him a breather as odds on in the Silver Bullet Day. We got the first, second, and fourth finisher coming out of that race. I'm sure you got to see it. Well, I did get to see it, and um, it, it's a good race. And I'll tell you what, here, I, I pick I, I pick Asmussen's horses to run one, two. I'm picking Royal Obsession to win it. Um, the thing, and, and you know what? I did not take the time to ask Doug Bradar if he had a choice to ride stage play or Royal Obsession. Normally, Steve will tell you as an agent, you're going to ride this one, so-and-so is going to ride the other one. Um, I, I don't know if that was the case. I'm, I'm going to think it was. So if it is, he's put John Velasquez on Royal Obsession, and, um, you know, this horse lightly raised, two wins, hasn't run since uh, January, which isn't that long ago, but had a nice little A other than under her belt. I think she's coming into this race in excellent form. I do like stage play. You can't, you know, how can you find anything wrong with the way stage play has been running? Uh, This horse is going to be close to the pace. Royal Obsession, probably just a a couple of horses behind. And I picked Midnight on Okani to run third. So I know that... um, Ed DeRosa liked Forever Darling. I can hear him talking about that horse, but I'm going to go with, uh, with the horses that have run here, and uh, I'm going to stick with the, with the local flavor and go with uh, Steve Asmussen running 1-2 in the, uh, in the Rachel Alexandra. Okay, my producers tell me I got just under three minutes, so let me, let me tap you in to talk about local flavor. The Colonel Bradley Stakes could be a big effect on the fairgrounds handicap. Luckily, we're supposed to have good weather down there, a mile and an eighth on the turf. Uh, yeah. Chocolate Ride won this race last year, and again, Florent Giroux is in the saddle. Uh, what did you uh, pick up from the Colonel Bradley? Well, I tell you what, the way I've got it handicapped, and I'm looking, I think they're going to run one, two, three, just like they did in the Colonel Bradley. I like Chocolate Ride. I mean, this horse is a monster. He's just unbelievable how much he likes this turf course. I like uh, Roman Approval to run second, Blark to run third. One thing I'm noticing with the turf course, there's a lot of sand on the turf course, maybe more sand than there was last year, more right now than there has been in the last couple of weeks. I think they kind of had to add some sand to it because if you're watching the races, I call it, it looks like lightning strikes coming up from their hooves as they're running and you see the sand coming out. Um, 
I don't think that's going to bother a horse like Chocolate Ride, but uh, that is a little bit of a concern, maybe a little bit of a different type of surface, but I see the race running exactly like it did in the prep. I see him running one, two, three again. All right. <clears throat> With my time constraints, I'm going to have to ask you to throw a dart. We're talking about the Mineshaft Handicap. I'm looking at International Star. I know this horse has had gaps in his training, but he certainly looks healthy. You know, he raced six times as a juvenile, only four times at three, but he's four for four at the fairgrounds. Yeah. Ran huge in his debut in the Louisiana, and he's never lost with Miguel Mena in the saddle. Loves the distance, six starts, four victories. Can they beat International Star in there? I'm going to pick against him like a dummy. As you mentioned, he's four for four at the fairgrounds, loves this surface. Uh, no matter what his problems are, when he gets on this racing surface, his problems are non-existent. But I'm going to try and beat him. I'm going to go with Eagle. I'm going to go with Neil Howard's horse. And I tell you, I'm not a big believer in weight. But International Stars picking up uh, three pounds. Eagle is dropping four pounds. I don't know if that's going to make a big difference or not. But if I was going to put my money in the window... I would like to put it on Sir Neil Howard. I think he can get the job done with that horse. I'm going to pick Point Piper to run second. I think Jerry Hollendorfer's horse is going to come into this race and run a big race. And maybe International Star will throw in a little bit of a clunker and run third. But I'm going to try and beat him with Eagle. All right. Well, Rick Macklin, I wish you best. I thank you so much. And I don't know how you do it. Uh, how about the Southern Voice Band? Can we get anything coming up? We've got a big gig tomorrow night at the Treasure Chest Casino, which is on Lake Pontchartrain. We play from 8, 8 o'clock to midnight tomorrow night. My guitar player, Sid Bartfield, is celebrating his birthday. We're going to have a big crowd out there. We're doing some new music. We're doing some sticks and some Jim Morrison with the doors. And we're doing just, man, we're having a ball. This is like living a dream. This is like my escape from reality when I get to get up there and actually sing a little bit. So, Man, I'd love to have you as a guest one night and see us play. But uh, we're around town, and I have a website, which is rickmocklinmusic.com. It shows our schedule and bios. And take a look at it and see what you think. I'll do it, Rick. Thanks a million for being on. I really appreciate it. I wish you best of luck, and uh, especially with you and, and Richard. Also want to thank Ed DeRosa for being on with us on Winning Ponies. Remember, when you go to the races, folks, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.